Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes, and with me, as always, is Caleb Jenks, coming to you live from Rosebud, Texas. And tonight, we are going to be getting into the topic of creation versus evolution. And this is a topic that I've dedicated quite a few years of study to. And at some point, I'm going to uh, put up a link in the comments here where you can follow it to a different Facebook page of mine. It's called Bible Study on the Farm. And if you want, there are hours and hours of videos with lots of colorful slides for you and the kids, you know, to be mesmerized by going over the topic of creation versus evolution. And we go over everything we we dedicate a you know an hour and a half to astronomy we dedicate not an hour and a half to knowing the flood we dedicate a couple hours to dinosaurs in the bible we dedicate a couple hours to the age of the earth you know and we really get into a lot of the different topics and we go over them in detail and those are up there for you we're we're going to post a link here in the um in the comments in a little bit so this topic you can get into it and you can get as deep as you want you can talk for as long as you want. There's so much information. Obviously, this podcast that Caleb and I do, we try to keep each episode to about an hour. Sometimes we don't even get close to that, and we're at like two hours. And then other times we we're able to squeeze stuff in. So tonight, what we're going to focus on is a little bit of the idea of does it matter? Does it matter what your pastor thinks? Does it matter what you as a Christian believe? Does it matter if you believe that God made everything in six days? Or does it matter if you believe that it took millions and billions of years and there was a big bang involved? So we're going to get into a little bit of that tonight. It's the topic or maybe the title that I would give... Uh, I would call it relevance. Is it relevant? Does it matter? Or is this just a topic where it's like, you know what? I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus is God. Who cares about creation or evolution? I don't even want to get into it. I just leave it alone. So obviously, Caleb and I believe that it does matter or else we wouldn't have brought it up and wouldn't be here, you know, talking about it for an hour. And I'm going to show some folks some ideas about where evolution leads you. And I think you are going to be um, maybe surprised, maybe shocked, but it absolutely matters. We have to understand who the creator is and we need to give the creator glory for what he has done. So with that, I am gonna invite a couple people on here as Caleb shares his thoughts for a minute and tells us what he thinks. Hey, Caleb, hold on one second. 
you're not coming through as far as our live video goes. And if anyone's watching, could you please tell me it says that you're on here. Can I can I kill the feed and have you just come back in? I'm going to let me roll for a second. Oh, yeah, you it, my screen shows that you're here, but you're clearly not. So I'm going to X you out. Just join us again and I'm going to keep talking for a minute. Okay, so Caleb is not with us. He was in my earphones, but he wasn't coming through for any of you folks. So we are going to uh, have him come back in and uh, just bear with us for a second as we have this little bit of a audio video snafu. Okay, so here he is for the second time. There he is, counting them in. Three, two, one. Caleb, I just got a black screen. And it I looks like it. a black screen. Yeah, that's all I see. Okay, now it looks like you might be. There we go. You're starting to come in. Okay, I'll tell you when you're live as far as, as, far as the feed or if I can hear you. It looks like it brought me in now. Nope, I can hear you. Your audio's in. So forgive us for that, folks. It's fixed. We're with you now. Caleb, take it away. Tell us your thoughts about me as a young end carrying a Bible everywhere I went. I always love that story. Yeah. So I was just, I was just mentioning that uh, whenever I first met Patrick, he carried his Bible with him everywhere he went. I think I've brought that up on here before and he would give uh, lectures or talks on creation and a defense or uh, our argument for creation versus evolution. And I've never actually been to one of his talks. He was at a couple of homeschool conferences that I was at doing uh, like a hands-on workshop, helping uh, kids learn how to play instruments and that type of thing. And Patrick was off in some other part of the convention doing a uh, creation seminar. So anyways, I'm, I'm eager to hear. I, I guess you mentioned you have some videos out. I've never gone on and watched your videos on, on creation. But um, anyways, it'll be interesting to kind of sit back and enjoy the ride tonight as Patrick takes us down uh, his view on this. But real quickly, um, which I, I've not spent the time or the homework that Patrick has on this topic by any means. Um, the, there's a, a couple different arguments that you could make uh, for creation. One is um, if you're if you're arguing against evolution um, based off of a scientific viewpoint, um, you can argue based off of intelligent design. If you are talking to somebody that believes that the Bible is irrelevant, um, you can make a very, very strong argument for creation by the fact that there's obviously an intelligent designer behind the behind creation. It's not something that was random. It didn't happen. Um, the a good argument um, a good argument for for um, evolution of, oftentimes is that everything just happened and it evolved based off of um, like a survival instinct. And so as, as time went on, we, we continue to evolve to become more and more intelligent because it's our survival instinct. And I've heard it said before, if you take a, a puzzle and you, and you take it apart into pieces and you put it into a container and you shake it, shake it, shake it. doesn't matter how long you shake that puzzle, the pieces don't assemble themselves. And those pieces are initially designed by an intelligent designer and they um, fit together, but yet it does, they, don't, they don't naturally assemble themselves. 
and how much more irrational is the is the argument that that somehow through a big bang or through um, you know particles of dust somehow colliding with each other and coming together, do we end up? We can't make a rational argument that we end up from where we where where they they argue that we started to where we are today. That doesn't work. You can't build a business that way. You don't do anything else that way. There has to be an intelligent design. So there's a very very strong argument made scientifically against evolution without the Bible, without being a Christian. You could make a very, very, very strong argument against evolution if you were an atheist that believed in some sort of an intelligent design. And there's many atheists that argue against evolution and, and argue for an intelligent design. They don't necessarily know what that intelligent design was, but they will acknowledge there was an intelligent design. Then, of and course, oh yeah, go let, ahead. Let me, let me just jump in right there for one second. Um, Caleb is mentioning an idea that's really a problem in a lot of universities today because there are several uh, scientists with tenure in major universities who are coming together and they're saying, look, we're not saying we believe in Jesus and the Bible, but the idea of evolution, the way it's being taught in high schools and uh, colleges and universities, it's impossible. It absolutely doesn't work. And a lot of these fellows who some of which are atheists and have nothing to do with God, some of these professors are really coming under attack and they're being put on administrative leave and some are being fired simply because they're they are willing to stand up and challenge a scientific um, in a uh, scientific arena. The idea that um, evolution as it is being taught now is not scientific. It doesn't work and we need to reject it. We need to find something that does work. And one book on this subject is written by Michael Behe and it's called Darwin's Black Box. And it's a, it's a very famous, uh, he's, a, he's a very famous scientist. It's a very famous book. It's, it's very good. And he goes over some of these ideas of um, uh, intelligent design, of, uh, oh, what's the, the one idea, which is uh, the theory of irreducible complexity. So if you want sources that have nothing to do with Christians, there are lots of them where they beat up on evolution because uh, it is not supported by any type of evidence. Um, it is a, it, if you, evolution as it is taught in high schools and colleges is not scientific. It is absolutely exactly. not scientific. It might it's as well actually be anti-science. Yep, and and we'll we'll get into that in a minute. Please continue, Caleb. I just wanted to add that. Right. Yeah. So there's there's plenty of people that actually start out on the evolution bandwagon, trying to prove evolution, and they and they find out that the whole thing falls apart on its face, and mm -hmm. and they're still not trying to to prove a biblical creation, but they they come to the conclusion that there has to be an intelligent design. So you have that that side of it, and I just wanted to bring that up early on in this podcast because I think both Patrick and I would take a, a religious creation viewpoint based off of the fact that we believe the Bible is is authoritative and we believe what the Bible says and that's it's easier to um, it's easier to go the route of just believing what's written in the Bible than to try to piece it all back together because we weren't there back then but you can through science you can try to piece it back together and creation makes a lot more sense than evolution and so even if you start out without the Bible without that source there's people that are landing on the same conclusion that we've known all along as Christians, because we have, we actually have documentation of what happened from the early days. Um, so um, science, in my opinion, science is in our corner. 
we actually have, obviously, because if, if we have truth on our side, if, if we were preaching something that wasn't truth, then science wouldn't mesh with it well. Um, and so that's why the evolution um, side tried to use science as their as their um, defense for their for their theory. And over time, it's become more and more clear that they are propping up a myth. It's a fable. And it's a it's a it, like like like. Patrick said it's science fiction only it's just let's just say fiction without the science <laughs> because yeah. science doesn't even back it up and so they've gone to they try to they've oftentimes uh, especially through the early Darwin days they tried to paint Christians and and religious believers in, in, in creation they tried to paint us as anti-science and we're the dumb ones we're the stupid ones well over time it's come out the more and more that they've revealed about their theory they're the ones that have have tried to build this whole cult following around this evolution theology. And it's, and that's really what it is. It's more of a religion. It's more of a theology than it is science. And so yeah. it is 100% yeah. a religious belief. Caleb, can I give you a crazy idea here? Okay. This is just yeah, something ahead. that I learned the other day. Okay. So there was an experiment done a while back where these fellas, they got this room full of monkeys together. Okay, so they got a room, they put a bunch of monkeys in there, and there's a giant pole in the middle of this room. And atop of this pole, they put some bananas. And the monkeys would try to climb this pole to get the bananas, and the experimenters would shoot the monkeys with a hose, water, just knocked them off the pole with water, and they would fall to the ground. And another monkey would try, and they'd knock them off the pole with water. And they'd do this again and again and again. And finally, the monkeys stopped trying to get up on the pole. Okay, because they just knew that they weren't going to be able to do it. So it got to a point where if any monkey tried to climb the pole, they the other monkeys would go and grab him and pull him down for trying to climb the pole. They didn't even have to shoot him off with water anymore. Then they introduced a new monkey to the room. This monkey saw the bananas, tried to climb the pole, and all the other monkeys grabbed him and held him down and would not let him climb the pole. After a while, they would introduce another new monkey and they would remove a monkey that had been blasted with water. They continued to do this until all the monkeys in the room had never one time been blasted with water. They were all new to the experiment. But guess what? Every new monkey that would try to climb that pole to get the bananas, guess what would happen? All the rest of them would grab them and pull them down off the pole and hold them down and punish them and not let them try to get it. Not one of them knew why they were doing it, but they all did it because that's all they were ever used to. <clears throat> now, I want to bring in our first graphic. So I'm going to bring in a picture here. <clears throat> and Caleb, I'm going to hide you and I'm going to uh, make myself smaller, but we can still hear you. Okay, so right here, <clears throat> I just want to go over this idea that evolution is absolutely 100% a religious belief. There are actually six kinds of evolution. Okay, there's not one, there's six. And you can define it any way you want, that's fine. But I'm just going to go over these ideas because <clears throat> a lot of people have never seen this or never thought about it. First, you have cosmic evolution. And this is the origin of time, space, and matter. Where did the stuff come from? 
okay? Who invented time? Who invented space? And who put stuff there, okay? And, and the Big Bang is oftentimes used for the evolutionary idea. Then you have chemical evolution, okay? So during the Big Bang, they say hydrogen was created and maybe helium, but you got a problem because all the higher elements could not fuse together from those two because once you get to iron, it doesn't work. If you're not a chemist and you don't understand what I'm talking about, that's fine, but trust me, look into it. You will find that fusion cannot answer for all of the rest of the hundred plus elements on our periodic table. So where did they come from? They had to evolve. Then you have stellar and planetary evolution. So that is the origin of the sun, moon, stars, and planets. Where did they come from? How did they form? Then you have organic evolution. And this is the nail in the coffin for the evolutionary theory. Life had to come from non-living material. That is called the theory of biogenesis. Now, that was proven wrong by Louis Pasteur and Francisco Reddy a long time ago when they invented the law of biogenesis. You can never get life from non-living material, ever, ever, ever. We've never seen it. It's never happened. We've never been able to replicate it in a lab. It, it, it is absolutely physically impossible, even though it's required for the theory of evolution. Then you have what's called macroevolution. Now, this is the changing from one type of animal into another type of animal. <clears throat> we have never seen this. We have never been able to duplicate this in a lab. This has never happened because they tell us it takes millions and millions of years for this to happen. Then what you have is microevolution. Now, microevolution is small variations within a kind. So what you have is you have a dog that's able to produce other dogs, and those dogs can be slightly different. You can produce dogs with brown fur and white fur and black fur, okay? You can produce big dogs and little dogs, but they're all dogs. Only dogs produce dogs, only cats produce cats, only fish produce fish, and that's how God defines it in the book of Genesis. He says that animals bring forth after their kind. Charles von Linnaeus came up with the term species, you have the kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, and species. That's the modern classification system for animals. But God doesn't use that. God uses kinds. And God shows us that <clears throat> the horse kind only produces different types of horses. The goat kind only produces different types of goats. And the fish kind only produces different kinds of fish. And no matter how long you leave them alone, they can never interbreed and you can never get a warm blooded or you can never get a cold blooded reptile with a three chambered heart to produce a warm blooded bird with a four chambered heart. It doesn't matter how many millions of years you give it. Now, we can demonstrate definition number six today with breeding whatever type of animal you want. You see slight, small variations within that kind. But what they do is then they extrapolate and they say, well, given millions and billions of years, all these other things could happen, even though we've never witnessed it, we've never demonstrated it in a laboratory, and definitions one through five, they are not falsifiable. Therefore, they fall outside of the scientific method. They are not science, they are religion. So we cannot, absolutely cannot believe okay, that evolution is a scientific theory. It is not. It is a religious theory. Caleb, I gave you a lot to chew on. Your thoughts, please.
Oh, hold on. Now we're not getting any audio. Are you on or are you muted on your end? There you are. I was, we got I you. was, I was muted. Sorry. <laughs> um, so that's, that's, <clears throat> that's interesting. So you, you, you brought up, um, kind of broadly several different methods of evolution there um what if you were to uh, after having looked over those if you were to give me one of those which has come the closest to convincing you is there one that holds more logic than another to you well as far as convincing me that evolution is true or convincing me that evolution <laughs> is a farce no, if you were if you were trying if you if you felt like one of them made the strongest argument for evolution, which uh -huh. one is 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 the closest in your opinion? Well, the the problem is it would be um, the honestly none because I've looked into them so much. I mean, there's so many holes. It, you know, evolution is the Swiss cheese of the scientific method. Um, <clears throat> I, I don't see. Here's the thing. I don't think there is a single evidence for evolution, not one, but here, let's play a game. Okay. So Caleb, you're going to play the evolutionist. You've been around enough of them. Okay. You've questioned these things yourself. Okay. I'm going to play the creationist. Okay. We're in a debate. So here's how we okay. do it. Caleb, see, how, see how all this goes. <laughs> see how you do. Caleb, please give me your top three evidences for evolution. You evolutionists often say, oh, okay. there's just so many things. That's great. I don't need them right. all. I need yeah, three. Exactly. Just give me your top three, whatever they are. I'm going to write them down and then let's see where we where we go. Go ahead. Give me your three. What do you think? Okay. So speaking as, as somebody that's actually been partially convinced by some aspects of evolution, I'm going to say that the most, the most convincing thing to me about evolution would be signs that they can point to that we actually see that we have proof of that there are things that change over time let's take erosion for instance you look at the grand canyon something like that you can clearly see that over time that is changing um and so this to me i actually i'm not going to make the counter argument i'll explain my position on this later yeah, yeah. but All this right. is where where they've borrowed from god to make this argument and, th and this would be one that to me seems to hold the most water um, one of the other one of the one of the arguments that they would make against creation, which isn't really a pro-evolution argument, um, that I found that was a little harder to answer to without a, a little bit more of an educated opinion, is the fact that creation is spelled out in a in a book that recorded um, that recorded the events hundreds or thousands of years later, and their carbon carbon dating um, their carbon dating technology was like dates things to billions of years ago um and whatever and and it's kind of hard to make an argument against those things if you're not a little more educated on that so i would okay. say that that i would i would say that the uh what would you call it young earth uh creation ha happening in a literal six days is probably one of the things that they attack that that was harder for me to defend initially it's it made us seem like the, the like that we were um sticking to a fable. Mm -hmm. um, and then I would say that probably beyond that, I can't think of another thing that was very convincing to me. Those were some of the tougher questions. And then of course, I guess I'll, I'll go ahead and stick in dinosaurs and some things that have gone extinct over time. That's another thing that they have um, on their plate that uh, some Christians I think have a hard time answering for. And I'm not saying that there's not good answers for it, but those would be the, the sure. probably the three strongest arguments that were ever made to me for evolution. Okay, so one, we have things change over time, correct? 
Correct. Okay, number two, we have carbon dating. And with that, I'm going to throw into that radiometric dating uh, because I, I hate to tell everyone, but carbon dating is no good for anything older than 25,000 years. Okay, so anyone that says that carbon dating proves it's millions of years old, they have no idea what they're talking about. Okay, before you even get into it with them, you know 100% from the start, they don't know what they're talking about. Okay, and then number three, uh, the other thing that you gave us is dinosaurs. And I and wish really, we could bring Daniel in. This would be fun. Daniel just, uh, Daniel Integrity Painting, whoever he is, he just yeah. said dinosaurs are fake. That would be, it'd be fun to get him on here. <laughs> okay, Daniel's a good friend of mine, and he's heard me teach everything about. Okay, so everyone see, oh, geez, what just happened? Uh, hold, hold on a sec. Sorry, I have several programs opening up on my computer as we're working. Everyone see behind me there? See, that's only a very small part of my toy dinosaur collection. Okay, along with those, I have dozens and dozens of fossils <clears throat> that I collect as well because I'm really into this whole subject and I do go around the country and teach on this all the time. This here is a fossilized clam in the closed position. Okay, <clears throat> so, so really what you get into is we're talking about a topic of origins right so let me let me go over this real quick okay because i just love bringing up these colorful pictures because they help make the point and caleb i want you to see this one okay this one's even better than the last one so i'm going to bring this in i'm going to drop you out but don't mute yourself because you I'd, I'd like you to be able to uh talk as we go through this okay here we go so theories of origins. Now, we have in the top Prometheus. Okay, if you're into Greek mythology, you know who Prometheus is. He was a Titan and Prometheus was responsible for creating life. Then you have the Big Bang Theory. Okay, it's also a hit TV show, I understand. Okay, then you have biblical creation. That's what all us funny dementalists teach a literal view of the Bible that God created everything in six actual days supernaturally. And then you have my favorite, the rubber ducky theory. Okay. And this is a theory where life came down to earth from outer space on the back of a giant duck. Okay. Now, Caleb, out of these four theories, which one should be taught in science class? None of them. That's correct. Okay, the answer is none of them because none of them are scientific. And this is a misunderstanding by a lot of Christians. Do not be the Christian that says, we need to teach biblical creation in science class. Why? It's not scientific. You can't, you can't create you through can't science. Replicate it. You can't duplicate it in a lab. You can't falsify it. It is not scientific. It is outside of the scientific method. Therefore, it is not part of science. So no, we don't teach biblical creation in science class. But guess what? We don't teach the Big Bang Theory either because it is outside of the scientific method. If you want to teach all of these theories, including my personal favorite, the rubber ducky theory, in a philosophically neutral class on origins, that's fine. Go ahead and teach it. I'll sponsor the class. As a matter of fact, I'll be an adjunct 
professor and come in and teach it for you. And we'll get into every topic of origins you want. There's nothing wrong with that. But the idea that we would teach any of these in science class is uh, academically irresponsible. Okay, so I am simply trying to get rid of evolution in the classrooms. I'm not trying to add more creation. It Creation should not be in a science classroom. Read your Bible. Read the first chapter of your Bible. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Okay? And God saw the light, and it was good. And I can go through the whole first chapter of Genesis. I got it memorized, but it's not going to help for tonight. I'm just showing off at this point. It was supernatural. God spoke, and it happened. That's it. That's not scientific. It's supernatural, made by God. I don't have a problem believing it. I don't think Caleb has a problem believing it. But I don't think either of us are trying to tell you that it needs to be in chemistry class, because it's not scientific. Okay, and I just was going to bring up one point since you're on that topic. So the, the I mentioned this idea earlier and intelligent design, like I mentioned, it, it proves through science that there was an intelligent design. The mm -hmm. intel it stops there. It proves yep. that there was intelligent design. It cannot explain the intelligent design. It just points to the intelligent design and the, the creator. It points to the fact that there was a creator, but what the reason that it points, the reason that science points to, a creator and to an intelligent design is it points to something outside is it points to something supernatural that created it you can't explain it away scientifically you can disprove Correct. you can disprove evolution scientifically easily and you could also disprove any other theory of uh, of origins like like patrick said as far as it coming down from outer space on the back of a rubber duck or whatever um but you can't necessarily and obviously we have science we have science that we can use to prove the bible to be true and to, and to prove that that um our our, our storyline our timeline of creation is actually accurate but we don't use science as the as the creator science did not create it was god that created so the the problem that that arises for a lot of christians is when you try to mesh the two and meet in the middle and i've seen a lot of two that mm -hmm. a lot of people that try to become um uh what are they what are they evolutionary called? creationists yeah yeah <laughs> evolutionary yeah. creationists well god made or, it but he used billions of years or they'll reject young earth creationism where they say, well, it wasn't in a literal six days that God created. And, and they'll use passages like like what Patrick just mentioned, the very first part of Genesis, where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And they're saying, well, that could have transpired billions of years ago. And then later during the six days of creation, he actually created the sun, the, the moon, the stars. Um, but the problem is, is if you look at the, the end of the passage, and that could have, could have been a plausible thing. God could have created the earth um, early on, and it could have been there existing for an, a, a period of time. The Spirit of God is moving upon the face of the waters for billions of years. That could have possibly happened, and you could have had um, things eroding and things changing over time. The problem is, is, if you go on past there, at the end of the whole creation story, it says, and in six days, God created all of everything, including the earth, and then he rested on the seventh day. And so the Bible does not support anything other than a literal creation where God supernaturally creates everything in six days. Well, and Caleb, I'm going to give you one even worse than that. Okay. If you want the nail in the coffin for the day a theory, because you got to understand I've debated every single kind of, um, 
on uh, this topic. I mean, mm -hmm. so many times. If you go to uh, the book of Exodus, okay, I want to say it's Exodus chapter 31. Go to Exodus 31. And actually, you know what? Here we go. Ba -ba -ba. Sorry, I have like 20 programs open on my computer right now. So it's going a little slow. Okay. <clears throat> if you, I'm going to close a couple down like that one. And that should pretty much catch me up. Okay, in Exodus chapter 31, verse 18. So this is when Moses, he went to Mount Sinai, he communed with God, he got the Ten Commandments, he came down. We read, and he gave unto Moses, when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony, tables of stone, written with the finger of God. So, Caleb, would you agree that God, when he wrote the Ten Commandments, wrote it on stone with his own finger? Correct. Okay. So then, when we go to the Ten Commandments, guess what we find? Okay. <clears throat> Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work. But in the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. In it thou shalt do uh, shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, okay, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. So when God wrote the Ten Commandments, he said that he wrote it down himself with his own finger, the finger of God, and carved it into tables of stone. And when he wrote it, he said, I made everything in six days. Is that what he said? Exactly. That's what he said. And so and so the problem that, that you that you run into then is as a Christian, when you try to meet evolutionists halfway and you say, okay, well, you have a good point here. Let's meet halfway. This is the nice Christian thing to do. Where of course you're going to meet them halfway because you got you got to be nice. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so when you try to meet evolutionists halfway, this is a is a very uneducated thing to to do in the first place because unless you first learn the the science behind their myth um, and and realize how they're doing this, and I, I hope uh, Patrick has some good information on carbon dating. It's been disproven over and over again. But they're taking things like the Grand Canyon, for instance, and and other things that we see in in creation where there is erosion and, and you see things change over time, and they're calculating the fact that the Earth is billions and billions of years old. And so you're taking the assumption that okay, you're right, you know, and your carbon dating or your methods of determining age. Um, are correct, and this disproves the Bible. You have proof of civil civilization from, uh, you know, thirty three thousand years ago that's been dug up in an archaeological dig, and it's been carbon dated, and this disproves the biblical creation timeline. It shows there was humans on the earth thousands of years ago. Well, you're assuming first that the that the evolutionist is correct when he tells you the dates that he's come up with and you're assuming that there's a conflict between that and the Bible. So then it gives you, it, it brings you to the problem of saying, okay, well then how do we come, 
how do we as as the as a Christian make the compromise here? And that's when oftentimes they've said, okay, well, young earth creationism, um, biblical creationism being literally created in six days cannot hold water. We have to assume that there was that there was um, you know the God who created the heavens and the earth a long time ago, but maybe there wasn't the sun, moon, and the stars. Maybe he hadn't created Adam, but let's say that there was humans way back then, and there maybe was civilization, and then he didn't create the Garden of Eden until later. And so basically, at that point, you burn your Bible. Because you take what the Bible says and you throw it in the garbage because you you spin these tales that if you rightly divide the word of truth, like Patrick just mentioned, you can't take the first few pass the first few verses in Genesis and then put that into conflict with something that was written in Exodus, where it's written with the finger of God, or even later on in Genesis, where it does specifically state that the earth was created in six days. As soon as you do that, you've completely disproven your theory of sticking to the Bible. So you might as well burn the Bible and just spin your own tale. And so oftentimes that's where Christians end up. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, Caleb goes to Bible burning. And honestly, I mean, we joke about that, but uh, Caleb, there was a, uh, oh, it it was, uh, who was the famous uh, um, missionary to China? It was um, Hudson Taylor. I was reading a book on Hudson Taylor and he made, he had a quote and I'm going to butcher it. So I'm not even going to try to give him credit for it, but it went along the lines of how he was amazed at how many Christians would say that they believed the Bible was the word of God, but they would live their lives as if, um, you know, they had never opened it up or read its pages, you know, and that was the idea. It's like, you know, they, if we're not going to believe it, then just throw the thing out. Just pile them up in the church parking lot and light them on fire. What's the point? You know, and I really do agree with that idea because that's how people are living anyhow. You know, so we we might as well we might as well go that route. Um, okay, so let me let me read a verse to you and let me. <clears throat> so, Caleb, in, in, in our uh, little home church uh, two days ago, we meet on Friday nights here in Grand Junction, Colorado, if anyone from all around the world wants to come and visit. Um, <clears throat> starts at six thirty. Uh, we just went over this idea uh, yesterday about idolatry, and we really got into idolatry and what it is and how it works and how much God hates it. Now, I want to give you an idea that believing in evolution is a form of idolatry. So, idolatry is any time we take something that is supposed to be reserved for God alone and we give it to something else. We are only supposed to pray to God. We are only supposed to worship. God. We're only supposed to give God the glory for the things that he has done. Do you understand? We're not supposed to give that to anything else. Well, when you read in the book of Colossians in chapter one, verses 16 and 17, we read very clearly that Jesus was the creator. It says, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him, all things consist. So one thing you have to understand is that when you take that supernatural creative force, that by the way, should be awe-inspiring. If you study the physical world even a little bit, how amazing it is. If you ever look up and research what's called the anthropic principle, and you learn how life and all of the universe is balancing on this razor's edge, it is unbelievable what God was able to do by just speaking things into uh, existence. That is something that God is supposed to get the glory for. And we find that, Caleb, did you know that 4,000 years prior 
to Jesus being the Savior. He was the creator. Right. It is being the creator that that is where we are first to give him glory. It's the first thing written about in the Bible. Jesus was the creator. We read about it again in John chapter one, if you want more verses about how Jesus specifically was the creator. But when we give that supernatural, creative, intelligent force, the name evolution, then what we're saying is there is a power apart from God that is able to be the creator. And people might say, Patrick, that's a stretch. No, it's not. That is the definition of idolatry. Right. It is not okay that we give the this ridiculous idea of evolution, creative power and intelligence, and the glory for what only the Lord Jesus Christ could do. So it is not okay that we go down this road. Okay, Caleb, I have, now here's what I'm thinking, because if you want, you know, we can get into disproving carbon dating. We can get into disproving this. We can get, and we might want to just come back next week and just have a list of like, let's just tear apart our top 12, you know, uh, funniest things about evolution that the uh, Christian might want to hear about. I kind of wanted to get into a different idea. Do you want me to get into, you know, proofs and disproofs of no i mean no that's fine we could we could wait to get into it i'm um carbon dating if you were to spend if you're spent just two minutes on on the carbon dating uh sure problem i can do that real fast okay so first and then we have we probably should get into this issue dinosaurs dragons and giants briefly too because daniel's wondering about that yeah i'll be happy yeah no no problem that'd be fine so real fast let's go over carbon dating okay so here now this is one of dozens and dozens of examples that i can give you okay shells from living snails were carbon dated as being twenty-seven thousand years old and i give the i i give you the you know you can look this up it was in science magazine this this is not you know something that i'm making up here I, i i give you sources for everything that i'm talking about caleb do you know how many times living things have been carbon dated Do you know how many things that have just freshly died have been carbon dated and they've been given dates that are wildly off? Okay. Oh yeah. I don't know the number, but I know it's, I've, I've heard of plenty of examples. The time. So here's the first question you have to ask. If when we date something of a known age, carbon dating doesn't work. Why do we believe it works with things of an unknown age? That's what you have to ask yourself. And that's simply the question that I wanted to pose with this one little colorful picture of a snail here on the screen. Okay. Um, Beyond that, um, I'd love to get into it, but I don't want to eat up 20 minutes just to make the lame point. Okay. So so I'm going to. I'm just going to yeah, read a, okay. a, few, a few more of these examples. So there was yeah. living mollusks, the shell, shells that were dated to be 2,300 years old, so over 2,000 years old. A freshly ki- killed seal was carbon dated as having died 1,300 years ago. Um, a mammoth carbon dated at 29,500 years, and another part of the same mammoth was 44,000 years old. Um, mm-hmm. And... Materials from layers where dinosaurs are found carbon dated to 34,000 
year at 34,000 years old. Um, okay. there's, uh, there's, this one. is creationtoday.org if anybody wants to look it up. And if you look up creationtoday.org, you can find their carbon dating page. And it has, I've been on this page before and it's, it's really hilarious because there's, yeah. it, 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 it is embarrassing if I was if I was trying to use this as my argument against the Bible. You spend just a few minutes online looking at how wildly inaccurate the carbon dating is, and it's it's foolish that we would even give it the time of day to consider thinking that maybe that that disproves the Bible ever in any case. It it really is, and and if you don't if you want to get into older dating methods, you want to use uh, uranium lead, uranium two thirty eight, potassium argon. These are all different radiometric dating methods. And for those of you that are into chemistry and have looked into this, you might know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. I'm just saying these things to try to give myself credibility in five seconds. But we've dated other things of known age. Okay, we dated the lava flows from Mount Saint Helen. Well, guess what? We were alive when it erupted. Okay, it's not it's not guesswork. It was 1980. We know when it happened. We've done that with eruptions in Hawaii. We've done that with eruptions all around the world when we know the age of the lava flow and these rocks have been tested and we have gotten wildly wrong dates again where the the dates were given are millions and millions of years old and it's like no we saw the lava flow we watched it cool off we went and got a sample and they've done this as a control for radiometric dating methods and it doesn't work okay so caleb for with the next 10 minutes can i shift gears here and get into a little bit of the idea of the dangers of evolution and where we end up going okay so here is one of my favorite things to talk about So the theory of evolution is the birthplace of racism. Now, did racism exist before evolution? Obviously it did. Okay, but evolution, the theory of evolution, gave scientific backing to racism. Okay, now, Caleb, if you were to think of who's the father of evolution, who's the one big name of evolution that we've all heard about? I would say Darwin. Charles Darwin. Great. Okay. And Caleb, do you know the name of his book that he's famous for? Charles Darwin. What is it? I don't know. I, Can I help I, you a little? Yeah, go ahead. The Origin. Nothing? Okay. You ever hear of The Origin of Species? Okay. That's the book that he wrote. And that's the book that you and I, well, not you, but I being <laughs> going to public school, you know, was taught about. Okay, but here's okay. the thing. Did you know that The Origin of Species by Charles Darwin, did you know that that's not actually the title of the book? Okay, the okay. actual title of the book is The Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or the Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. Did you know that Charles Darwin was a racist? Huh, that's interesting. Oh, Oh, yeah. And that's not even the worst of it. Okay. Charles Darwin had another book called The Descent of Man. And let me tell you, if anyone had read that book, there is no way they would teach anything that man says in a public school. It is horrible how racist Hmm. this guy is. Look it up. The Descent of Man man. So Charles Darwin was absolutely a horrible racist who he seemed to hate more than anyone were the Irish. 
I don't really take offense to that because he's an idiot. Plus, Irish people don't get offended by anything. Okay. <clears throat> but he had so he blamed the world's problems on the Irish. Okay. Now that book's never brought up in public school, and Charles Darwin is always hailed as a hero. Okay, but what happened after Charles Darwin? wrote his book and gave his thesis. And in his book, he admits, I don't have any proof of this, but surely evidence is going to come up over time. Okay, then what we find is there is one German author, and I'm going to see if I have, I'm not sure if I, if I got this one together. No, I didn't. So I'm just going to tell you the story. It's a gentleman named Ernst Haeckel. So Ernst Haeckel <clears throat> was a, a, a German who ended up being convicted of fraud and by his own university, the University of Jena. And he went around Germany teaching this idea of ontogeny recapitulates phylogeny. And this is the idea that in uh, your embryonic stages, a human will start out as this two-celled organism, which is correct. And then it will slowly go through the evolutionary stages where you will where you will resemble a tadpole and then an amphibian and then a reptile and then a mammal and then a monkey and then finally a man, only at the end of your evolutionary uh, trip through your nine-month gestation period in your mother. You're laughing at this. Caleb, do you want to know where this theory was brought up in court? Do you want to know? Yeah, where was 1973, it? 1973, Roe versus Wade. This was brought up in front of the United States Supreme Court as an evidence that it is <laughs> that it was not a human. A human. Did you know that? Oh my I'm word! Send you the information because I know you go to a lot of pro-life rallies and you're big into that. I'm going to send you the information so you can look at this. You would not believe that that was the science. It was science that was disproved. Okay, at the turn of the century, for a hundred years, we knew that it was false, and it was brought up to the U.S. Supreme Court uh, to try to prove that. Uh, you know, humans were not babies. They're not humans. They're animals. So it doesn't matter if you kill them in utero. Okay. Now, Ernst Haeckel went all around Germany, okay, 1890 to 1900, teaching these ideas. And there was a young boy in the German public school system that heard about these ideas. And he started to learn that, oh, guess what? There's scientific evidence proving that certain races are savages and other races are superior, just like the theory of evolution teaches, right? Higher, more evolved beings, lesser evolved beings, right? Mm -hmm. and that little boy grew up in the German um, public school system. And when he got into power, okay, guess what he decided to do? Because he inf influenced law as well. And he got into the German Supreme Court. And what he did back in, I think it was 1936, the German Supreme Court refused to recognize Jews living in Germany as a person in the legal sense. So guess what you can do to them, Caleb? Since they're just animals, you can round them up like animals. Okay, you can mistreat do, do them. Lab you can them. Right, you can, lab experiments. You can do whatever experiments on them you want. You can work them until they die, and you're not doing anything wrong because they're just animals. 
That's the logical conclusion to the evolutionary theory. After all, Caleb, isn't it just animal planet? Isn't that all it is? Right? <laughs> Cheetahs and gazelles. It's no different. Right. We're just the most highly evolved. So guess what? When they rounded up and executed 6,000 aborigines down in the island of Tasmania, there was nothing wrong with that. All they were doing was getting rid of the lesser evolved species. And did you know that Adolf Hitler had a list? His list went up. So he started at the bottom of the list who were the Jews. They were considered the lowest of the low. Okay, And keep in mind, folks, that was a supernatural attack on the Jews by Satan. Okay, Adolf Hitler didn't invent that idea. But after them, guess what? Then he started on anyone who was physically handicapped, anyone who was crippled. Okay, then he went up from there. He went up to the elderly. Then he went up. Asians were on the list. Blacks were on the list. He just kept on going and going and going. And it was all because of this evolutionary mindset and this evolutionary theory. That's where it all came from. That's where that type of uh, hatred and racism all came from. And it wow. was all justified. That's really interesting. I've, I've heard racist arguments um, using using evolution to say that different races have evolved to different, you know, different, um, you know, based off of a, a very racist ideology that you're, you've really evolved into a different species and you're not really the same human race because of, of the way that you've evolved. But I, I had never really connected all of that to how that tied in with Hitler. That's interesting. I learned a lot. Well, just like I said, I will put some links up, there will be some videos. They're one-hour videos. They have literally a hundred slides. In a one-hour presentation, I go through like 90 or 100 slides, okay? There's so much information packed in there where we go over all of this. Now, let's try to bring it back to the Bible, okay? In Proverbs 29, verse 2, it says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. And that's what we run into we all have to understand that this theory of evolution is straight out of the pits of hell. And there are some real world consequences that come with it. Whenever you have a group of elitists who think they are better than everyone else, watch out because they have no problem squishing a fly if they're in their way. And it's terrible, but dictators around the world over the centuries have used this idea that we are superior, they are inferior, therefore we can just wipe them out. There is no sanctity of life, whether in the womb or after you're born, because of the theory of evolution and this racism that surrounds it. All right, man, we got five minutes if we're going to keep it to an hour. Tell me what you're thinking, what are your questions, or what do you want to talk about next week? Well, yeah, we probably need to we could we could spend a whole nother hour uh, somebody brought up the um question of uh giants dinosaurs mm -hmm. um dragons mm -hmm. and that mm -hmm. would be an, that would be an interesting episode to get on to um i would say that plays very very little into i, I it's kind of laughable that evolution has gotten to the point that they have to depend on things that that don't currently exist 
to try to disprove creation because like you said if you use carbon dating and some of their techniques on things that actually do exist currently it makes it pretty hard for them to prove their their point but there is biblical support for i mean if you look up leviathan in the bible there's there's definitely is support for sea creatures dragons um, possible dinosaurs you know whatever it is there's definitely biblical support for the fact that there was things that were still part of god's creation that um that we don't have with us today. Um, and so some of these fossils and stuff, we don't have to disprove and, and go against all aspects of science just because, and that's something that I fi find um, a little bit alarming about some uh, literal creationists that have, have taken the approach of being thinking that they need to be anti-science because uh, we've allowed the evolutionists to, to, to lay this claim on science as if they're, they own it. When mm -hmm. actually science is something that God created, the, the, the laws that God has set into motion, even when we talk about things that do evolve um, in, in our earth, um, those are, are laws that God put into motion that you can see uh, erosion and you can see those things happening. And God still created those laws that are put into motion that allow things to change over time. So yes, there's going to be species that are extinct. There's going to be things that change over time. And that doesn't in any way disprove God or disprove the creation timeline. Um, okay. I was I just, put up, oh, go ahead. I just put up two links. Okay. So one of these links just goes to my other Facebook page where I have compiled a lot of resources as far as videos and Bible teaching. That is called the Bible study on the farm. Uh, please forgive me. I do not keep up on this very well. So there's not a lot of content added to this. This is something that I used to do uh, back when uh, we weren't well, doesn't matter. Okay, the second link is just to the videos page where all of the videos that have to do with creation and evolution are up there. So currently there are seven videos. Two of them are just on dinosaurs in the Bible. Um, so the age of the earth, intelligent design, origins of life, biological evolution, a lot of these videos are up there. There is so much good information in there. You should watch them. If you have kids who are teenagers, they can understand all of the information in there. They definitely, you definitely want your kids watching these and learning about this stuff um, because they're going to be bombarded with the idea that they are just animals when they're in public school, you know, and that God's not real and the Bible's a joke. And obviously we want to be able to com combat that. So please, uh, if you go to that page, like it, share it, like some of the videos, share them around, and hopefully that resource will be a help to you. And, I just want to make sure everyone knew. And Christians should be teaching evolution in the home. Your, your children should learn about the evolution theory mm -hmm. from a, a, from a um, I'm going to say a neutral perspective. Go ahead mm -hmm. and teach it and allow them to realize that there's people out there that, that believe this and teach them both sides of the argument. It, to me, it's there's one side of the argument that is truth. And then you got all these other tales that are around there. So it doesn't hurt. Mm -hmm. It doesn't hurt to expose them to all the other fables that are out there as long as they're grounded in truth. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, give a shout out to one other resource. There's another podcast that I love that I listen to. It's called Stand to Reason, and it's by Greg Kuokel. And if you go to standtoreason.org, I believe it is, you can um, sign up there and it's free resources and they mail this stuff out. It actually comes out in the mail every, uh, every month. And I get it every month and they give a lot of good Christian apologetics 
and refute a lot of this stuff. And it's just nice to, I mean, it's a free publication. You get signed up for it and, and they send it to you every, every month. And then of course they do conferences at different churches around the country. And I've been to some of their conferences, really, really good, solid biblical teaching that really refutes th- this, um, this, <laughs> this mythology is really all that it is. It's no different than Greek mythology that we're um, somehow allowing them to lay, lay claim to science and, and try to teach our children that they have they have facts and they have science on their side and that our side is the fictional side and they have um for a young mind in school if they're not taught well they have some convincing arguments for evolution based off of the assumption that their methods are correct that carbon dating is correct is correct and some of these things so they they definitely no different than hitler they take young impressionable minds and they they shape our children to be anti god anti-biblical creation and if you take the very foundation of creation out in the belief system um it makes you call into question everything else about god and so as as christian as a christian parent we need to be aware of this as an attack on our children especially if they're in the public school system thankfully patrick and i both have our children out of the public school system and so our children aren't being bombarded with that in the classroom but they are still going to be exposed to it so that's something that i would say is um as a Christian, you may th- think this is a trivial issue. It's not if you have children. You need to learn about evolution and you need to teach your children a biblical worldview and, and let them know what's up with evolution. Okay, um, just to help with uh, Daniel, um, he posed some questions about giants and was it UFOs as well? I'm not sure. Anyway, I put, yeah, he didn't say UFOs. But... One more, oh, okay, well. Uh, they're they're related. I put up one more link, um, a video that I did back in 2018 about aliens, UFOs, and the Bible. It's a two-part video, so part one is in that link. Watch the other one. I apologize. This is before we really got great audio equipment, so the audio is not amazing. But again, um, if you can make it through, it does have 100 slides, and it really paints a good picture explaining how all of that works and how the Bible has an answer for all of those things. All right, so it looks like uh, LaRonda said to please continue on this subject next week. It's very interesting. So uh, Caleb and I will discuss exactly where we're going to go, but do you want to just do one more? Yeah, on I'd say. Okay. I'd we'll say we, we definitely should. I'll try to do a little more homework on it uh, this time. Uh, but, yeah, sure. that would be fun. So I learned I, – I definitely learned a lot uh, just – that's really interesting. The biggest thing that I learned tonight is on how that impacted Hitler. Um, I didn't, I did not realize that. And I guess I should have known um, or assumed that, but that's, it, it makes sense, but that's really interesting how that, how that played into that. So I've, I've never studied Darwin. I figured I'll mm-hmm. study the Bible and uh, Darwin is, I figured um, you see those bumper stickers where people have Darwin, the, the symbol mm-hmm. of Darwin and they have the fish swallowing <laughs> Darwin. Yeah. I, I never, I never gave Darwin the t- time of day beyond the memes, the bumper sticker memes. <laughs> that was about mm-hmm. as, as much as I cared about Darwin, but it's really interesting. He's in, he has impacted our culture a lot. And I oh, have yeah. studied, I have studied the theories of evolutions, but I never actually, uh, I've never, uh, read any of his of his writing, so maybe I maybe I need to. That's interesting. There's a really good book called I think it's called Seven Men Who Ruled the World from the Grave. Some it's something like that. I got it on my bookshelf. Anyway, Charles Darwin was one of those seven as far as people that impacted the world, you know, and have affected it more than most have. You know, Karl Marx is on there. There's several people who 
you know, uh, and all, all of them are people who have just ruined and destroyed the world through their stupidity and their anti-God godly beliefs, you know, but yep, Charles Darwin made the list. He, he's a guy that still affects the world today. Well, uh, Caleb, I thought that uh, went well. We filled up an yeah, hour. We've got a couple more people that want us to continue on next week. So we'll, we'll get back into creation versus evolution next week. And I'm just going to say thanks everyone for showing up. And Caleb, thank you. It was a pleasure as always. Yep. Thank you. Have a good night.